We cannot wrap our, li- our, our minds, our, he- our earthly minds around that level of heavenly love. But what we can do is embrace the Holy Spirit, accept Jesus Christ into our life, become into an intimate relationship with Jesus, and know for the LGBTQ people out there, that's not gay. Have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, and then you may never understand that level of love, but a, but a relationship with Jesus Christ and accepting Jesus Christ into your heart and walking with the Holy Spirit every day will get you as close as you'll be able to ever understand. And it's, and it's miles above what you understood before a relationship with Jesus. It's that simple. It is that simple. We have a thousand people watching nine minutes in already. I want to thank you all very much for being here every day. Because it's not going to take an army of politically charged, godless men and women to save this country. It's not. It's not possible. It's simply not possible. How did we win World War II? That shouldn't have been possible. How did we win? We won because God was at the center of, I'd say, over 90% of our families, the traditional structured family, with God at the center of that dinner table. That's how we won World War II. You think we would win World War II today? Unbelievable. We would fold like a cheap suit. We would never, ever, ever, ever win the right to be the liberating country, to be the free world country that polices the world and gets rid of evil. We would never be able to do that today. It would never happen. Because God is not at the center of our military. God is not at the center of our families, most of our families, or their dinner table. So what does that tell you? It tells you that if you really want America to become the greatest country in the world again, because it's not anymore, then you're going to have to make America godly again to make America great again. I've been saying it over and over and over and over again. Bad Moon said you'll take that back. Bad Moon, you think that our military and our country is strong enough to win a world war of nuclear warheads? You think we're strong enough to win that without dropping A-bombs? Jelly says, I thought we blew up an H-bomb or two in Japan and scared the hell out of the rest of the world. We did. We did. A hundred percent. But you know those brave men and women on D-Day, or excuse me, those brave men, wasn't women, those brave men on D-Day, put that flag up like that. How many of them died getting to the point where they could put that flag up? None of this would be possible. None of that would have been possible without God on our side. Never. Just wouldn't have. And we're sure as heck not strong enough to do it today. Not our woke military. Pride flags flying everywhere. Are you kidding me? I titled today's show From Condemned to Redeemed. I'd like to say, the, I'd like to say a prayer to the Lord before we get into this show and then it's going to be a We're going to get into some stuff, okay? All right. Lord, Father, God in heaven, in the name of your Son, our holy Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord, we come to you in prayer today. At the foot of the throne, thanking you from taking us from condemned to redeemed. No longer are we a dead man or woman walking. No longer are we fearful. We thank you for that, Lord. As condemned people, we had no hope. As redeemed people, 
All our hope is in Jesus Christ, and if God be for us, then who can be against us? Lord, we know that we are not fighting the forces of flesh and bone and blood, but we are fighting the principalities of darkness, the evil spirits from the heavenly and hell realm, waging war on this planet, waging war on God's people as retribution because they see you as the enemy. But what they don't know is that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, and I will not be self-righteous or proud. I will put all my love, all my faith in Jesus Christ, and I will accept all of God's blessings, his salvation, and his mercy, and his abundant grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I took the time to finally watch Nefarious this weekend. And let me tell you this right now. If you do not watch another movie on planet Earth ever again, you need to sit your family down and you need to watch Nefarious, starring Sean Patrick Flannery. First of all, the job that he, the, the performance, I should say, that he delivers is unlike any I've ever seen. Now, you can go through all of the top Hollywood actors that you think are the best, the Jack Nicholson's, the Anthony Hopkins, all of them, and they don't come even close to the performance that Sean Patrick Flannery, with the grace of God, the skill that God gave him, performed in that movie. And if you are a fence rider when it comes to theology, this will push you to the side of God real quick. It will convict you. It will make it so hard for you to watch You turn your head away and maybe even cover your ears because of the truth that is being delivered from a man possessed by many demons. It was heartbreaking. It was eye-opening. It was riveting. It was spiritual. And it's necessary for you to see it. I watched it, uh, where did we, I think my wife rented it or bought it off of Prime. or Voodoo, Voodoo is what it was, Voodoo. Voodoo is where we watched it, sorry. The name is Nefarious. And it tells you everything you need to know about how we act as humans, what we're doing, this whole pride, LGBTQ, uh, you know, uh, uh, hate speech, um, uh, abortion. uh, What else does it cover, Eli? Everything. Everything that we are in this world that Satan rules. And not only that, it goes back to the beginning. It goes back to before the beginning of time. Voodoo is not demonic. It actually stands for video. I don't know. I don't know what the rest of it is. Human trafficking, yes. It literally touches on everything and how we are so corrupted. And it takes us back to the beginning, before the beginning of time, to the fall, to why there was a fall to begin with, to what their plan is, and how God literally was just 4D chess, 10,000 moves ahead of the devil with Jesus Christ. Meaning what they thought, you know, they thought by killing Jesus Christ, they were going to rule everything. But what they didn't know is that by killing Jesus Christ, it actually liberated all the people that they fed on spiritually and physically and gave hope again. And they were so stupid. Satan and the demons were so easily fooled. They were so stupid. Dumb, dumb award of the day, I can tell you that. You need to go watch that movie, Nefarious. 
All I can say is this. By the end of that movie, you understand not only how evil evil really is, but you understand how much of it is in the world. And every single one of you that are watching me right now, there are a multitude of demons either outside your house waiting for you or inside your house if you do not have them completely removed from your home in the name of Jesus Christ daily. They are standing around you just waiting with succulent lips and hungry appetites waiting to devour you and your children and every single human being on this planet. And let me just tell you this about this movie and I'll move on. That's a great, uh, Tim and Gina said the deceived don't know they were deceived. Amen. Guard your children. Guard yourselves. Guard your families. Because evil is working its way into your children and you far more than you know or understand. It's kind of like our rights here in America, chipped away little by little by little by little by little. And I got to tell you, after I watched that movie, I walked out of my house. I put my hand in the doorway of my mezuzah, or in the doorway of my house, touched the mezuzah that is placed in the doorway of my home. All welcome, flat, all welcome mats are gone, by the way. Eli, all welcome mats are gone from my home. There are no more welcome mats on my doorstep because not all are welcome, I can tell you that. And this movie touches on how you must invite all of it in. Satan only has as much power as you give them, right? As you give him, right? Demons only have as much power as you give them. But they are so deceitful and so meticulous and so patient that they get you to invite them in without even you knowing it. Little by little, they get you to invite them in through ways that you would never understand And I walked out of the house. No, I'm not talking about yesterday's movie. I'm talking about a movie I watched called Nefarious this weekend. Yesterday's movie here on LFA TV was about uh, homeschooling. But I walked out of my house and I put my hand on the mezuzah. I had tears in my eyes. I looked back through the front window of my house. I looked at my family in there after that movie was done. Shocked, wide-eyed, jaws on the floor. I went outside. I touched my mezuzah and I said, get away from my house. You will never be welcome in my home and you will never be welcome in my children's lives, in their personalities, in their spirit. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to depart from my family and everybody that's in my family, whether they are in this home or whether they are in the world, because in this house, we will serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And I got to tell you, I walked in my house after that, and maybe, 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 maybe that sounds stupid. Maybe that sounds satirical. Maybe that sounds stereotypical, but I did it, and I felt a lot better after watching that movie. And let me just say one thing in that movie that I, and I won't spoil anymore. They do not refer to Jesus as Jesus, and they do not refer to God as God. They, them, the demons, refer to Jesus as the carpenter, and they refer to God as the evil one throughout the whole movie. And do you know what he says about abortion? Oh, this killed me. This hurt me. This hurt me. He was talking about the days of Baphomet and Moloch. He was talking about the days in which Babies and children were sacrificed to Baphomet, Baal, and Moloch. By the way, cowards, coward demons that have zero power over me in my life. I know every one of them very well. Weaklings, cowards. Bigger cowards than you would ever imagine. And he said, back then, 
The screams in the ch of the children would echo through the communities. They would burn them alive. They would rip them apart. And he said that they would bang on the drums to drown out the screams of the children. And he said, do you think it's any different today? You think it's any different today? All you've done is figured out a way to drown out the screams by ripping the baby apart inside the womb. Thank you for that. He said, you found out a way to do the same thing you're doing with the child once it comes out of the mother. Murder. But you did it so you could do it inside the womb so that there could be no screams heard so that you didn't have to have a guilty conscience about what you just did. And he said, every time you do that, we rejoice in hell. Another child's soul sacrificed to the demonic ways of abortion. And the man says, well, I'm an atheist. And the demon, Nefarious, who has filled the body of the man who's playing Edward, Sean Patrick, I mean, Edward's body, who's played by Sean Patrick Flannery, he laughs. He's, the guy says, I'm an atheist. He goes, ha, ha, ha. What does that matter? You think it matters whether you do or don't believe something? That's good for us. We don't want you to believe. No skin off our back. We don't need the accolades. As the carpenter does, he says. We don't need the attention as the evil one does, referring to God. He says, you're all so stupid. You're all so easily deceived. It's not a three-part series. It's one movie. It's a green cover with a man with three faces. Now, Eli and his wife... Liz, are actually friends with Sean Patrick Flannery, the lead role of that movie. And we're going to have him on. We're going to try to get him on the show. And I don't want him on Live from America. I want him on Rise Up. I won't tell you any more of the movie. Don't worry. But what I will tell you is that that movie will change your life. Whether you are a Christian or whether you are not, it'll change your life. I want to go and read from One Minute Prayer for Dads. And I'm going to read from Matthew 5.48. And then I want to talk a little bit about church yesterday. And then I want to tell you guys what's going on for the next few days in case you do not follow me on social media. Matthew 5, 48. God the perfect Father. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, how are we supposed to do that? I thought none of us could be perfect. We can't. But we are made perfect. We are made righteous. We are made clean. We are made pure with the blood of Jesus Christ. Perfection as a dad is a lofty goal. We are already perfect in our standing with God through Christ. We are justified from all of our sin, utterly forgiven. But translating a perfect standing before God into a perfect standing as a dad in the eyes of our children is not easily achieved. I've been going through that myself. And yet that's our goal. We want to be perfect dads within the capabilities and talents God has given us. And this we can do. Lord, when I look in your word, I see as in a mirror, the kind of dad you want me to be. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back it up. Back it up. Lord, when I look into your word, I see as in a mirror, the kind of dad you want me to be. It's also a mirror on the kind of person that you're going to be. 
My kids may never see me as perfect. I sure didn't see my dad that way. But what I want them to know is that I use the dad talents that you've given me to the best of my ability. And I know I can and will be a great dad as I allow you to shape my life as a father. In myself, I missed the mark by a long shot. (laughs) So Lord, help me fix my aim closer to the bullseye. Help me move. Help move me closer to perfect dad status. Folks, we're 29 minutes past the hour, and we already have almost 500 likes and about 1,400 people watching. I want to say thank you all very much. If you've not shared the video yet, I'd do me a favor and share it. I want to read for you the verse of the day today, but I want to read it in t- from two different versions both uh, coming from first corinthians 13 4 through 7 so if you have a pen or if you have your bible app or if you have your bible first corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 7 love is patient love is kind It does not envy. It does not boast. Here's the part that I really wanted to touch on. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. And it's not self-seeking. So some people would say, Jeremy, what about you and the way you talk about politicians and Democrats, and people that are trying to destroy this country. Are you dishonoring them? How can you dishonor somebody that has no honor? If you have no integrity, you have no honor. If you have no God in your life and you are a godless person, you have no honor. How can I dishonor somebody that has no honor? I look at that as dishonoring people that are respectful, people that are godly, People with integrity. How do you dishonor evil when evil has no honor? Good job, Bad Moon. But I love the part of that verse where it says, it does not boast and it is not proud. So how can the pride LGBTQIA pedo plus community, how can they promote love? Because that's what they always promote. Love, love, love. No, no. Satan is a deceiver. And he's using these people to deceive the world. You have no honor. And I, therefore, cannot dishonor you. I'd like to play a, uh, a video for you. Now, if you have Instagram... I don't know where else he is, but I follow him on Instagram. His name is Info Savage. Info Savage. All one word on Instagram. Now, what I don't like about this is the man is a homosexual. However, how is that any difference from a liar or somebody who's stolen or somebody who used the Lord's name in the vein or somebody who dishonors their parents trying to stop a far greater evil from infiltrating all of us. Let me, let me just play this video and let me get your, let me get your thoughts on it. Uh, put a side by side up here. Go ahead. Roll it. Flag. This flag does not represent me. When you're a conservative gay and you have conservative traditional values, it doesn't represent you. I am tired. I am tired of this community trying to represent me. 
and the millions of people that support people like me. And the people in this building are upset because they think that they're being marginalized. Do you see Chinese people in here upset that we're not flying the Chinese flag on Chinese New Year's? No, you see my community, the gay people that wanna be marginalized, that make victims of ourselves. This flag that I'm standing on no longer represents me. This is not your fault, I'm not yelling at you. I'm upset because people like this are constantly representing my community. They make us look like fools, they make us look dumb, and I'm tired of it. This flag does not represent everyone with liberty and justice for all. That flag, this flag, the American flag, 13 stripes and 50 stars represent us. Not this, not this. And if the gay community would wake up, we wouldn't have this pushback. Stop indoctrinating children and these types of things wouldn't happen. Wow. Just wow. So I take you back to the question that Anna Perez asked me when we were in Iowa for the Trump rally that we didn't get to cover because of the tornadoes. She asked me, would you hire somebody who was gay? My response, why wouldn't I? So that takes me back to the chosen that we talked about last week. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I have not seen Dallas Jenkins' response that he put out yesterday. I will try to see it today. And there's a reason why I haven't seen it, and I'll explain that in a minute. But I want to go back to the chosen conversation that we were having last week and the pride flags and the gay people that are on the set. My first response to that, if you remember, was what if God has these people right where he needs them to be? What if God has these people right where he needs them to be? My second response, after I saw the team that work on the set and the actors whom we all know so well, when I saw them lashing out at their own viewers, calling them homophobes and bigots, that threw up some flags for me. I didn't like that. However, I still did not delete my chosen app. And then when I saw Dallas Jenkins' initial response where he was skirting the, the obvious and was sticking up for people and not saying what needed to be said, in, in, at least in my opinion, as the person who's the main producer of the show, I got a little upset at that. And I still did not write off the chosen or delete my app because I prayed. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and Jesus said no. And I told you that I was going to wait and reserve my judgment, my personal judgment, on that show until I heard from Dallas Jenkins yesterday. Apparently, Eli brought it up and it's a two-hour live stream. So I haven't got a chance to see it yet. I saw Dallas, they weren't promoting Pride Month, but they allow freedom of expression, you need to watch it. I will watch it. I will watch it. Again, I was not upset that Dallas didn't say, get those flags out of here. I was upset that he did not address what the Christian community who funded them wanted addressed, which was, yes, we have homosexuals working on our set. Yes, they are allowed to have freedom of expression. No, we do not allow that ideology or that narrative or any of the agendas pushed by the LGBTQ community in our message whatsoever. And yes, we're praying for them. Had he said that, I'd have been 100% okay had he said that. I don't know if he said that yesterday, but that's what he should have said. That is what I would have expected as a Christian man for him to say. Going back to me, would I hire a gay person? A hundred percent. Would I allow them to fly the pride flag in my place of business? No, I would not, but that's me. I would say you can do that on your own time. In this, in this place of business, we fly the American flag, period. Don't even have the Christian flag up in here. Not that I wouldn't, 
I expected more from Dallas Jenkins in his initial response on YouTube last week. That's it. That's all I wanted. Liz said, Dallas very diplomatically said that, but why does it have to be diplomatically? And, I, and if you're talking yesterday, okay, but I did not see that in his initial response. In his initial response, I saw backtracking and cowardice. Cowardice not standing on the word of God. Again, they didn't deserve to be fired. They didn't deserve to be bullied. And they didn't deserve to be cancel cultured. The people that embrace that lifestyle. But we deserved Dallas Jenkins to say more than he said in that initial response. That's all. But I will go back and listen to the entire response on Sunday. Again, I'm not writing off The Chosen. I think the message is phenomenal. And I think Jonathan Rumi's great. But I personally was disappointed in the very first response from Dallas Jenkins. Now I want to go back and I want to read from the New King James Version, the verse of the day that I just read, since we're speaking of pride. Excuse me, pride. First Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Who has pride parades? Not me. It is not puffed up and it does not behave rudely, does not seek its own and is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes in all things, hope in all things, and endures all things. The pride community is guilty of almost every one of those. They're guilty of parading itself around. They're guilty of puffing itself up. They're guilty of envy. They're guilty of being rude. They're guilty of provoking. They're guilty of evil. They're guilty of not rejoicing in truth. Because if they lived in truth, then they would not say that they should be another gender. Or that they even could be another gender. Good morning, Linda from Ohio, vacationing in Georgia. Good morning, Nikki. Good morning, Miranda. Good morning, Arthur. How you doing? Good to see you. Agreed. No firing unless they refuse to move, remove the flags. Well, that's another thing, too. Remove the flags. Put the flags in your bag until afterwards. You're on a work, you're on a work assignment right now. You're on the clock. And this clock, this workplace in particular, we're not going to be having pride flags up promoting it, putting it on social media. It's that simple. They have the right to be gay. Of course they do. God gave us free will. When it's all said and done, it's a workplace. And it's a workplace of the highest integrity because you're pushing the message of God. You're spreading the gospel. And that will not be altered defamed, corrupted, or changed. Liz, the flag was not only a sticker on the equipment. The flags were also hanging out of two of the, uh, two of the um, actors' bags as well. Three different, fiti- three different photos that we got on the set of three different pride images. I want to go back and talk about something that we talked about in, ch- in church last night. Or yesterday, excuse me. As we just passed 1,500 people watching, thank you for all being here. If it's your first time watching Rise Up, we definitely, definitely uh, welcome you here. We have 471 rumbles. Thank you all very much. Yesterday, my pastor, by the way, my pastor's based. (laughs) My pastor is a great, great man. A great man. Understands that everything is going on. He calls it stupid. This is all stupid that's going on in the world right now. So he's very, very based. Yesterday in church, he said something that I never, ever, ever thought of. He was backing up scripture with scripture, which is what we should always do. 
backing up New Testament scripture with Old Testament scripture, right? You should always back up scripture with scripture. You should never take scripture at face value for what it just is without making sure that that scripture is backed up or fulfilled. Just my advice. And he was drawing a parallel, a comparison, and a contrast between Jesus and Adam. Between Jesus and Adam. Satan thought he was going to get Adam part two. Satan thought he was going to get his second chance to do exactly what he did with Adam, with Jesus. Here's the contrast. Jesus spent 40 days in the desert. Symbolic to Moses spending 40 years in the desert, in the wilderness. When Satan tempted Jesus with all the same things that he tempted the devil or Adam with, what a difference in choice. Here you had Adam who had no hunger in his belly, who had no pain, who was not experiencing starvation or thirst, who had everything under the sun, who had all the blessings you could possibly have in the most incredible piece of paradise that you and I couldn't even fathom. AI couldn't even generate something so amazing visually to us as Eden was. Adam had it all. In contrast, Jesus had nothing. He was by himself in the wilderness. He was starving. His belly was so hungry. Anything would have been so good. He was dying of thirst. You don't think that he wanted? Adam had everything. Jesus had nothing. Adam was deceived and gave up everything. And Jesus stood strong with nothing. Adam gave up everything with everything. Jesus gave up nothing with nothing. That's the contrast. That's how incredible Jesus was. Satan said, if you are the son of God, surely you could turn that stone into a piece of bread and satisfy your hunger. Surely you could do that if you're the son of God. I mean, let's face it. Since what he's really saying is not if you are, he knew who he was. He was really saying, since you're the son of God, why are you depriving yourself from your inheritance? Why are you depriving yourself from simple hunger? I mean, after all, Jesus was fully human. Didn't he have a right to satisfy hunger? Of course he did. That was a very physical issue that Jesus could have easily solved and he had every right to do it. He was the son of God after all. He had every right to do that. So Satan wasn't merely saying, if you're the son of God, you, can you do this? Show me, prove to me. He already knew who he was or he wouldn't be out there spending time with him. No, no, no. He said, since you're the son of God, this is the way he meant it. Don't allow yourself to starve. What are you doing out here? Come on, just turn it into bread and eat it. And what was Jesus's response? Man shall not live on bread alone, but man shall live on the word of God. He literally withstood that temptation that Adam could not withstand. He did that to show obedience to the Father God, to show that he could stand in the face of all adversity, to show him that he, that he, could, stand, that he could fulfill his mission on that cross. No matter what. But then what did Satan do? Satan took him on high and said, look at the kingdoms. They belong to you. And he was right. The kingdoms do belong to Jesus. Jesus is the king of kings. All knees will bend and bow to Jesus Christ in the second coming.
the devil was not wrong. Those kingdoms did belong to him. They already did. They already did. So Satan was merely tempting him with something that he already knew belonged to him with his inheritance as the son of God. But here was what Satan was trying to do with saying to, to Jesus, you can have all of this, which Jesus already had by inheritance. Didn't need Satan's permission. Satan was trying to put himself above Jesus by saying, I am the prince of this world. I am the ruler of this world. I will give you all this if you what? Everybody knows the rest. If you worship me. Meaning by default, he would put himself over Jesus and make Jesus succumb to him. And Jesus said, are you kidding me? Nah, not happening. Jesus also could have called on 12 legions of of angels to come and save him if he threw himself off the cliff that Satan wanted him to throw himself off of. But he has nothing to prove to the devil. The devil only has as much power as you give him. Satan was trying to get Jesus to give him the power that was reserved for God in heaven. And Jesus, with absolutely nothing, starving, dying of thirst, in the wilderness, with nobody to help him, nobody to encourage him, passed every test through the love and the faith and the grace and the mercy and the support of God. God provided. Whereas Adam had it all. Adam had Eve. He walked with God in the Garden of Eden. He didn't hunger. He didn't thirst. And he still gave in. What a difference. What a contrast. Amazing. Just amazing. And the greatest thing about Jesus' answers to Satan, all of his answers were echoing Scripture. God's Word. Not his own. He didn't get in an argument with the devil. He didn't get in an argument there in the middle of the wilderness. He just matter-of-factly stated Scripture. Period. Why do you think we tell you whenever you're feeling the way you feel, go to scripture, go to the word, go to the gospel. Now, I want to give you an eye-opening story that I found out this weekend that I never knew, and I always wondered why. You guys remember when Noah cursed his son's son cursed his grandson for his son seeing him naked when he woke from his drunken sleep do you remember that I always wondered to myself why if Noah was the drunk and Noah was the one who passed out and Noah was the one who passed out naked and his son found him and saw his nakedness why would Noah curse his son for something his son didn't do? I always wondered that. Oh, just because he saw you naked from your drunken sleep, you're going to curse him and his offspring? I always wondered why that was. I found out the answer this weekend in a mind-blowing video that I'm going to go and find for you right now. Uh, Give me one second here. I have this archive somewhere because I really wanted to show this to you. Not only did it blow my mind, but it blew my wife's mind as well. She was like, oh, my Lanta. I said, yeah, blew my mind. See if I can find this. There it is right there. All right. Stop right here. All right. I'm going to do a side by side. I always said back up scripture with scripture, right? That's what this guy says. But when you back up scripture with scripture, you start getting a sense of, whoa. Because his son son did something sexual to him. Not to him. But you're right on that. But not to him. Let's go ahead and do the side by side. Play this. Why would he curse his grandson? And why does it matter that Ham saw his father's nakedness? Hey guys, it's Joe. It's important to read the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And to get a better understanding, we need to back up the verses. Here's an example in Genesis 9, 
22, it says, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers. Now Ham's father is Noah. And in verse 24, it says, So Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. Then he said, Curse be Canaan. Why would he curse his grandson? uncovered his father's nakedness. And so that means that Ham slept with Noah's wife, which is Ham's mother. That means that Canaan's mother is also Noah's wife. It's very important to get a better understanding by backing up verses. Why would he curse his grandson? And why does it matter that Ham saw his father's nakedness? Hey guys, it's Joe. It's important to read the Bible, chapter by chapter, right. verse by verse. So I had heard many things in my life, okay? I'd heard that it was something to do with homosexuality, like you guys said. The volume was too low, you guys couldn't hear it? Do I need to play it again for those who didn't hear it? Music was too loud to hear him. Yeah, there was nothing I could do. I could hear it on my end. But when you back up scripture with scripture, you start to hear things and see things that you didn't do, that you didn't before. So I went back and read that Leviticus and it made, it was like wiping a dirty glass for the first time and seeing out of it. Bible is amazing. The truth is amazing. Stories from the Bible are absolutely amazing. And that's why it's a living book. That is why no matter how many times you read it, you're always going to get a different outlook on it than you did the time before. What a blessing. What a blessing. So then you have people come and say, well, wait a minute, Jeremy. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Didn't we need some sort of an incestuous lifestyle in order to repopulate the planet? After all, God killed everybody with the flood. How were we supposed to repopulate the planet unless we had incestuous relationships? Well, ladies and gentlemen, incestuous relationships were permitted at that time, but not with a married person and certainly not your father's wife. Sexual immorality, ladies and gentlemen, what we see today is pride and LGBTQ and all that. Somebody asked if I could play it again. Yeah, I'll play it one more time. Here we go. And to get a better understanding, we need to back up verses. Here's an example in Genesis 9, 22. It says, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers. Now Ham's father is Noah. Verse 24, it says, So Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. Then he said, Curse be Canaan. Why would he curse his grandson? And why does it matter that Ham saw his father nakedness? Well, let's back up those two verses. So in Leviticus 20, 11, it says, The man who lies with his father's wife was has uncovered his father's nakedness. And so that means that Ham slept with Noah's wife, which is Ham's mother. That means that Canaan's mother is also Noah's wife. So somebody said in here, you had, um, they had to sleep with one another to populate. It wasn't sinful in the beginning. It was sinful when you did it with a married person, especially your father's wife. You could sleep with cousins, sisters, brothers, all that, but you could not. The cardinal rule was still adultery. It was still adultery. And now I understand. I never understood that before because I, I'd heard rumors, but I never, I never found, I never backed up scripture with scripture until now. So I didn't, I, I, I didn't know how to verify. Amazing. 
Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have Sean Farish coming up next with Ungoverned. Let me give you kind of an, uh, an idea of what's happening. I will not be here for the 11 o'clock show today. Mike Crispy's filling in for me. He'll be doing a two-hour show. I am heading to Miami. I was supposed to be heading to Congress. I'd gotten an official invite. This is the, what I was trying to tell you guys, so please spread the word, okay? I'd gotten an official invite to Congress for a weaponization of our government hearing. And I don't want to say who it was from yet, but it was from an official congressman who invited me specifically from LFA TV to be there in the room. What a blessing. What an honor. However, at the same time, Donald Trump's indictment hearing got scheduled for tomorrow in Miami, Florida. What's more important? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the largest event. This is the biggest event. This is the most polarizing, maybe life-turning event since the Civil War in America. And all hands are on deck being called to Miami, Florida. Everybody who's anybody is going to back up President Trump. And so now we're going there. I've, I've rejected the invite to Congress. I am heading to Florida. Me, Eli, Will, Ryan, we're going to meet Laura Loomer down there. We're going to meet Carrie Lake down there. And we are going to stand up for our President of the United States of America. There will be shows throughout the day today as usual. Tomorrow will be an all-day streaming from Miami, Florida, from the courthouse, standing up with President Donald J. Trump. I will be, we will be there on the ground from 10 a.m. until 5 p.m., 6 p.m. tomorrow night. So we will have an entire day of streaming. Now, the day after, okay? So, to, so today, Mike Crispy's filling in for me. Tonight at 5 p.m., Drew Hernandez, you guys all know Drew Hernandez from Frontlines and TPUSA. Drew Hernandez will be filling in for me tomorrow, all day streaming from there. And then Wednesday, I don't get back in time enough to do Rise Up and Live from America. So there may not be a Rise Up on Wednesday. And Anna Perez is filling in for my morning show at 11. I'd ask all of you guys to please still tune in and watch for the people who are filling in for us because, you know, they're taking their time to do that for us. Uh, but I will be back in this chair Wednesday night at 5 p.m. So I'm flying home and coming right back to work. No time off, no days off. So ladies and gentlemen, today at 11 a.m., I will be gone. Mike Crispy will be here in my place. And tonight, Drew Hernandez will be here. Definitely check him out. Definitely give him all the love that you give me, okay? I have to go stand up for President Trump. It is my job. It is my duty. And I think most of the country is going to be there. So all day tomorrow, tune in. I will see you guys from there. I'll do a series of lives. I will be in Miami this, this evening. And I'll let you guys all know when I touch down on all social media. I love you. Sean Farish has already started. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here today. Keep God first place. Pray for me. Pray for our team as we go and help President Donald J. Trump. I love you. God bless you. And I'll see you guys on social media. Follow me everywhere. Have a great rest of your day. Peace out.